You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on another entrepreneurial mind. This is Asad Shah. He is an Amazon consultant to startups, and he's done a whole bunch of interesting stuff, which we're going to get into. So welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. I've done a really brief intro there, but why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience and people who don't know you? Sure. So my name is Asim. I'm 28 years old. I live in Los Angeles. I am currently an Amazon consultant. I run a marketing agency, which is basically just me. I consult to uh, different types of startups, mostly in the consumer electronics space. I'm also e-commerce entrepreneur. I've done that for a while. And uh, that's mostly what I'm doing now. I'm just focusing on financial independence and location independence. Um, that's, uh, that kind of sums up the last couple of years of my life and you know where I'm going uh, in the future. Are you originally from Los Angeles? Is that where you grew up or have you lived in a whole bunch of different places? No. So I was actually born in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was born in 91 in Pakistan. When I was six, my family moved to Toronto. We were in Toronto for a couple months and then we moved to Calgary, which is another major city in Canada. I was in Calgary. We were in Calgary for about four years. Uh, when I was 10, we moved to a small town called Fairfield in California, which is closer to, it's about an hour north of San Francisco. And then um, not long after that, we moved to Fremont, California. And that's where I stayed from the time I was about 10 to 22. Then I left for college down in Southern California. And I've been in Los Angeles ever since then. So lived across or moved across three different countries over the course of five or six years. I would say Fremont is probably my home. It's where I spent the most amount of my time. But I always knew I'd end up in Los Angeles. As a kid, I wanted to really be an actor and a comedian. Uh, that goal kind of changed a little bit. Uh, now I'm focused more on entrepreneurship, but LA was always kind of the goal. So I made it here a couple of years ago. But yeah, basically kind of grew up all over the world. Awesome, man. So tell us a little bit more about that. You wanted to be an actor or a comedian, you said, and now you're doing you know, entrepreneurship in the online and tech world. So how did, how did that happen? So as a kid, I think it was, it was just kind of, one of something that I... It's it's a little it's a little sad I say um, I didn't think there was anything I could do job wise when I was a kid like even as like six seven eight years old I was like there's no I, my dad's an engineer my mom was a doctor I never thought I could do anything like that so 
kind of over time, the thing I realized about myself was I'd like to, I was always really shy growing up, but I, when I got to know people, I'd love to entertain them and keep them laughing and smiling and having fun. And as I started to learn what these things were, I figured that was a good route for me because I didn't think I had any marketable skills to do anything else. And I think a lot of it was just kind of that jest as a kid where you want to be famous, you want that, you know, that fame and fortune or whatever. And that's kind of what the goal was. Um, but I had, so growing up, I had crippling social anxiety and it got worse with age. Um, mm -hmm. So it kind of started to move away from that. And I didn't really, I had a couple of years where I wasn't really doing anything. I was working, going to school, wasn't really getting anything done. And I kind of stumbled upon Amazon in college because I couldn't find a job. And so from there, I started to learn this kind of stuff just on my own. And then I joined the startup ring and, you know, did really well there. And then from there, I kind of just like, it just kind of made sense and it worked. So I kind of put everything else on hold for a bit, mm -hmm. really focused down on this, which was like last summer is when I really took the, the plunge into doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. um, since then, now that, I've, now that I've kind of reclaimed my time, what's happened is that I, I kind of had like a heart to heart with myself a couple months ago and sat down and thought about what I really wanted to do and realized that um, while entrepreneurship is fun, I've always kind of gone back to something more creative. So beginning, I think I've spoken uh, a little bit about this on Twitter. I'm going to start to focus more on kind of something more creative, maybe not try so much to be like a famous comedian or actor, but I'm definitely going to get into music more off, like more into music. And also from there focusing on um, uh, just kind of more creative endeavors and creative pursuits. Okay. So there's a whole bunch of stuff there that you kind of went through really quick there. So um, <laughs> you said, uh, you started learning Amazon stuff. Like, what does that mean? So I was in, I was studying international business and marketing in college. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was going specifically in, I was learning specifically importing and exporting. And a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, why don't you learn how to, how to do this for Amazon? There's guys teaching it online. This is like 2015. Mm -hmm. So I decided to try it. I figured it was a good way to make some money. Uh, especially because I couldn't find a job. And then I kind of just fell down the rabbit hole. I took a course by these guys called Startup Bros, learned a lot from them, and then created my own brand and started selling it on Amazon and having some fun with that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that kind of started from, in, like my interest was kind of peaked based on what I was studying in school. And also, um, you know, just, just bored of the situation where I had to make money and I didn't know, you know, the traditional ways of making money weren't really working out for me. Sure. And what was the what was the first product that you sold on Amazon? So the first successful one that I had was it was a brand that was mostly athletic wear. So like okay. compression sleeves, uh, knee pads, stuff like that. I had a couple that failed before that one found any success. Okay, man. Because I'm interested. I'm, I always like to on this podcast, I always try to get into the get into the nuts and bolts of stuff. Because uh, yeah, yeah. once you've done something already, it can be easy to be like, yeah, so I... Uh, I kind of just went, I, I did that. And then people are like, wait, but how, you know, <laughs> like I get it with my music. If I'm, if I'm giving people like the quick intro, I'll be like, yeah, I did that. And you know, I'm independent and sold 25,000 albums. And they're like, wait, 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 hang on. Like, like how, you know, like, like wait, go, go back a second. Okay. So are you still doing the, um, Amazon FBA stuff? Obviously your Twitter handle is based on Amazon FBA. So is that still, something that you are doing primarily or on the side or what's the situation with that now? So Amazon's been, I'd say like the biggest part of my life for four years, five years now. 
Um, but no, so when I graduated, I was running this, I was selling my own brand and I got the job at Ring and it was basically like, hey, you can't do what I was hired to do for them. I couldn't do outside of work. So mm-hmm. I had to get rid of all my products, like liquidate everything and sell it, uh, which made sense at the time. Uh, and I took this job. And then so I was there for about two years. And that was that was kind of, you know, that was their deal. And then I joined another startup. They had the same rule. And it wasn't until uh, November that I was actually free from that restriction to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of when I hopped on Twitter and started doing all this stuff. So me personally, I don't have my own brand on Amazon right now. Um, I manage a bunch of clients' brands. Um, so it's de- I'm definitely still involved. But as far as my own product, I don't have one yet. I'm working on two different products uh, with actually people I met from met on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the goal is to launch those by probably before Q4 this year. Okay, man. And tell us a little bit more about the work you did for Ring. So when I got to, when I, it was funny because when I applied for that job, I applied for a growth analyst role, which was, I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was something that I could try to do. And they called me and they said, I talked about how I grew my Amazon account. And they mm-hmm. said, they were like, you're, you're not qualified for this position at all. It, it was a very technical role. Okay. Um, but they said, hey, you know what, we're not, they said, we haven't posted this publicly, but we need an Amazon account manager. So if you want to come and interview for that role. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Um, I went in, I didn't think much of it, uh, but it turns out there was, they had interviewed two guys from Tesla before me and no, they'd been looking for someone for six months and nobody was really qualified. Mm-hmm. And then I went in and I was kind of qualified. So they, I took the role and uh, it was wild. It was really like Ring was doing pretty decent numbers with them. Uh, but the relationship was really strained. It was like two. It was like two people who hate each other, but they both make a lot of money together. <laughs> so I think been, you know, it was like I was like this. I was like a kid thrown into the middle of a divorce, and I had to fix the relationship. And then from there, so I like I fixed the relationship between the two, worked on that, and then um, started looking at how to optimize and test different things on the Amazon marketing side. And I learned quite a bit. Like I learned quite a bit on my own. Um, but I had a lot of great mentors there as well. So it was, for me, it was, a, it was, it was kind of this holistic approach to like learning sales, learning um, relationship management, optimization, scaling and everything all together. And just kind of putting ring in front of as many people as possible on Amazon um, to just scale from, you know, like 8 million to 16 and then to 56. And then 2018, I was on track to do hundred million wow. on Amazon. On Amazon, on Amazon alone? Yeah, on Amazon alone. Oh, wow. So in terms of where you are now then, so you said you want to start getting involved in some more creative stuff. So are you, uh, you mentioned music. Do you, you make music? So I don't right now. I'm totally okay. new to music. Um, okay. I grew up, yeah. So uh, I grew up in a very religious household, very strict Muslim household. Okay. Um, but music was always kind of there. And like I, like I was eight years old and I found this old guitar in a dumpster I brought it home and I was trying to learn on it. And I got, like I think like a week later, I came back and my dad made me throw it out. He was like, no music in this house. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't even, I had to hide my MP3 player when I was a kid. And like yeah. I listened to it under the car, you know, it was like that. It was bad. But uh, so I, I don't make music right now. Actually, last year, and it's something I've talked a little bit about on Twitter. Um, all my friends right now are DJs. They're all, they're getting a little bit bigger. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of like ADC in Vegas. It's a pretty big festival. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like one of my two of my friends are actually playing that um, on smaller stages this year, but they're playing it. And yeah, so I'm I'm getting more into music now, and that's kind of my thing to like reclaim my time and learn production and all this kind of stuff, and finish this project that I started working on with a friend of mine last year. Okay, what's that? And what's that project? What does that entail? 
it's the music itself is going to revolve around like experimental bass and liquid drum and bass and hip hop and like kind of old school instrumental hip hop. Okay. You know, when they're, when lyrics actually mattered. <laughs> I hear I hear that. They still do. As far, as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, they've always mattered. I guess I should say when lyrics were a little bit more articulate, Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which they haven't been in a long time in the mainstream. So it's going to be, it's going to be like kind of revolve around that. And it's, uh, but the way that I want to do it, my vision for it was kind of similar to how uh, Childish Gambino did because of the internet where there was like a visual component to it uh, and, the, and a screenplay. So you kind of, I don't know if you saw that, but it's like you would read the screenplay and then play a track and the track would go with the video. And so you'd watch the video and it was all kind of like this story. So I'm kind of putting, <clears throat> my goal is to kind of have all that um, done together. Okay. Oh, that 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 does sound interesting, man. Anything music related, I'm always it's always going to pique my interest, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I'll definitely send stuff to you when I'm ready. Yeah, man, absolutely. So you were talking about reclaiming reclaiming your time with your with that project. Is that something you want to move into like uh, professionally then, or are you kind of just toying around with it to begin with, or what's the what's what's the kind of greater plan for that? I think it's more so right now just to kind of have fun, so mm. have some fun with it. Uh, so the project started with, it, it all started from like conversations with my friend Josh, who was very, very talented musically. And he didn't, he didn't believe that I had no formal training in music. He like, he just, he thought I was full of it. Um, but I was like, no, I've never done anything musically at all. <clears throat> and so he wanted to start teaching me how to produce so we could work on stuff together. And Josh actually passed away in December of last year. Um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, so, yeah, I appreciate that. It was, it was, uh, it was wild, man. <laughs> but he had sent me some stuff he was working on. We were kind of talking about it, but like I moved home briefly back to the Bay and he was still in LA. So it's like, we didn't get a chance to really like get to it. And then we were going to work on it when I got back, but he's gone now. So it was, uh, it's just, it's something that I'm going to finish. And in terms of like, I, but it's like, I don't want to wait five years to do this, you know? So, uh, my plan right now is to really go hard with, uh, e-commerce so I don't have to spend 40, 50 hours a week working for someone else. I can spend that time. Um, you know, you can kind of come down to like 20 hours a week when you really focus and automate most of your life. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, you know just dump, uh, just kind of become obsessed with production and learning everything. And, uh, you know, kind of go from there and have some fun with it. So I wouldn't say I'm going to do it professionally in that sense. Uh, I'd love to kind of just, you know, probably do local shows and whatnot and just kind of put it out there into the world and see what happens with it. Uh, I'm sure some people would love it. And if it gets big, it gets big. If not, I'm not, it's not necessarily something I'm going to push. You know, it's more so just like a, a labor of, of love for my homies. Yeah, man, I get you, man. I get you. That's cool, man. So I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about some of the, um, I guess, some of the differences. So you said you were born, obviously, originally in, in Pakistan. And then uh, you lived in Canada. You're now in L.A. Also mentioned you grew up in a strict Muslim household with no with no music, even. So... Yeah. I'm I'm just kind of curious about those uh, those transitions in those different places. You know, me myself, as I, I told you earlier, I I grew up in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia, and then um, I went to boarding school and university here in the UK, and I'm now based here in the UK. Although you know, I've traveled to a whole bunch of different countries. I think of 32, 33 countries now. But um, yeah, it's I I, th- I always find it interesting to talk a little bit about like I don't know, I guess like cultural differences or things that you've experienced and some of those changes. Cause I imagine going from Pakistan to LA, that's like, uh, those are pretty different places in a lot of ways. So what's that been like? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's worlds apart. 
I mean, so like when I was like, we, we left a couple weeks after my sixth birthday when we left Pakistan. And so I wasn't as like, I kind of had, I was a little bit, you know, kind of indoctrinated into that culture and everything a little, and mm-hmm. not, not as much as my brother. I don't remember the culture shock being too big going from Pakistan to Canada. I think I was very impressionable still. And what was strange was, I still remember being a little kid. I don't even know how I knew this, but when my parents told me we were leaving, and go, like I thought we were going to the States. I just knew America for some reason, but we were going to Canada, which kind of, I still remember it bummed me out when I found out. Like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I don't want to go there. Um, but it was, it was interesting. It was, um, it was a pretty big change, you know? It was like, it was very different in terms of where we lived and then where we lived in Canada. And um, I didn't know this at the time, but we were we were totally broke. Like when I was, we were in Toronto, we were on welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea, I didn't know any better. And then we moved to Calgary and things kind of like, it was great, it was fun. We lived in like, like student, like upperclassmen graduate housing. So there was a bunch of other kids there. And in that aspect, it was it was a great time. And this was when my, my parents were actually like less religious than they are. Um, so like up until 10 years old, they weren't that religious. When I hit 10, it was like around that time is when they went balls out with it. Oh, um, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd say the biggest cultural shifts were like kind of the change, like now that I think about it, I honestly think that I felt the cultural shift so much less because my parents were so restrictive on us mm. that I wasn't really exposed to much of it. I assimilated pretty quickly. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, wherever we went, wherever we ended up, I was ready to kind of just like, not necessarily forget who I was, but take take on what I needed to to fit in. Yeah, and it never really ended up happening. So it was it was, it was was strange. It was a big shift every single time. But I honestly, I was honestly kind of in a bubble so much so that I don't think I experienced it as much as other people might. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, with myself, I mean, for like a 10-year period of my life, I was essentially going back and forth between the UK and Saudi Arabia multiple times a year. So during school time or university time, I'd be here in the UK. And then after that, go back to Saudi and kind of back and forth and back and forth. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there are even some, some things now that um, I still kind of do the comparison and I'm still yeah. not quite used to. Right. So even little things like the, like the prices of things. Right. So in the UK, shoes like sneakers are really expensive considerably more expensive than they are in the states even and in saudi they were so cheap so even now if i'm looking at a pair of of shoes and i'm looking at them like 80 or 90 pounds and i still do the conversion in my brain and i'm like no i can't buy that like that's (laughs) (laughs) because i'm still like that's that's like triple that's like triple the price of like what right in my brain in my mind it kind of should be so i still do i still do those little comparisons and then um of course growing up in saudi you know the the structure of the week. So, you know, the, the weekend was Thursday and Friday rather than, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So Thursday and Friday is like the equivalent of Saturday and Sunday here. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So I used to go to school on Saturday to Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday is the weekend. And then yeah, all my, all through my time in, in boarding school, like, it was confusing because I'd, I'd have to kind of sw- switch back and forth between these two things. And then in Saudi, like if you're out shopping, they have the, um, they have the prayer calls and then all the shop, all the shops close. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So like all the shops close multiple times a day and you have to make sure you get to the shop before, before prayer time and just all, all those, all those little things. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just weird. Cause as a, as a kid, you like, that was all just kind of normal to me. 
And then um, yeah, yeah. coming to the UK in, in itself was a little bit of a culture shock in some ways. So I was like, ah, oh, uh, that was interesting getting both those elements though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually, that's pretty wild. I mean, like, I think one big thing that was crazy for me was like, we went from really hot climate in Pakistan to really mm. cold climate in Canada. So I think I, I think one big thing is like, I still remember the first time I saw snow uh, and it was a trip because I was like, <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Um, and then we like, we had a lot of fun with it too, though. Like we would have like, and like we lived in Canada during some of the biggest snow years, like of the, of the 90s, like the late 90s, there was just snowing nonstop. Um, so it was kind of, it was, it was kind of wild to think about that. And it was kind of, it was like very strange. I know that there was little like cultural nuances that I, I didn't really pick up on. Um, at the time, I just kind of felt like this weird, like I was just some, I was just kind of out of place with yeah, like yeah. how people behaved, how they spoke, what was allowed, what wasn't allowed. I definitely did some stuff that got me in a lot of trouble. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, and it was funny cause I was so, my brother was always fine. It was this ignorance born of just innocence. Like I just didn't know any better. And I would just say stuff to people's faces that I wasn't supposed to say. Like there's certain things you could say in Pakistan that you can't say here, you know? I want, I want, I want to know examples now. I think like, <laughs> oh man. Um, I think like I kept, co- like one of my teachers was pregnant and I kept commenting on like how fat she's like, <laughs> I just think I straight up called her that. In like in like parent teacher conferences or something, like walking up with my mom, and it was just so bad. Like I think about it now, and it's just cringy. It's so bad to think about. Oh, no. um, yeah, it was terrible. It was it was really bad, <laughs> and it was like I was seven, so it's like I should have known better, you know. It just, it just looked bad on my parents' part. Like my mom's walking up, and her son's calling his teacher fat when she's just she's pregnant. She's not yeah. fat, fat, but you know that was one, and then. I think I had this really weird habit. This isn't as bad, but like if I was doing something and someone told me to stop, I would just kind of look at them. Like, is there something wrong with what I'm doing? Like genuinely asking. Yeah. And I think back now, and there was times where I did that and it was like really, really, it was really rude. Like someone was there, like, you know, like telling me to stop doing something. Mm. And it happened a couple of times with my cousins and my uncle were visiting. And then my uncle told me to stop doing something. We're at dinner with everybody. And I just said that to him. And it was like, and I just got slapped right across the face. Like it wasn't even, you know, because he thought I was challenging him. But I was, I was this little kid who I was like, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. Oh no. Um, so I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was cultural. That was just me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if culture would fix that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. So like, um, so in terms of the Amazon FBA stuff, man. That's one of those online business models, which I've, I've heard a lot about, but I've never, haven't really looked into or ever dabbled in myself personally. But, you know, for people listening, I'm pretty sure there are some people going to be listening who know your expertise in that area and who are potentially interested in, in getting involved in it. So do you have some tips or pointers or anything that you can give to someone who's interested in getting started with selling products on Amazon? Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle for most people is that they think themselves out of it. So if you want to do it, if you're interested in doing it, uh, just get started. That's the biggest thing I can tell people. When people really start to like get into their head about it, it's it's like anything else. I feel like they just kind of forget. Um, they forget that they want to actually start and they, they start to talk themselves out of it. Look at all these reasons that it won't work. You know, but it's one of those things, obviously, you can't just jump in without without um, knowing what you're getting into. So I guess tips or anything like that would be like 
do a little bit of research and then put that like do a little bit of like do a little bit of homework and research and then implement that and do your homework and then kind of like do it again and keep like try something else do it like study some more try it study some more try it i think that's kind of the biggest thing because most people from what i've seen at least most of the dms that i get like the number one question is just like well how do i do this how do i do that what do i look for like and it's like you're most people think most people are at step zero and they're thinking about like step 20 or like mm. step 50. It's like, there was a guy who no it's so good no, I was going to say it's the same as music. Exact same right, thing. Right, exactly. Exact same thing with music. I always get people messaging me like, yo, how do I get myself out there? Or how can I get signed to a label? Or how do I get my track on radio? Or the more common one, yo, let's let's do a track. Can we collaborate? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, like send me, like send me a sample of your music. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't actually made anything yet. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> you're really putting the cart before the horse here, man. Like, I can't do a collaboration with you if you haven't even recorded anything yet. Like, you know, right. Um, and you're, you know, you're asking for advice on how to get signed to a label before you've written a song. And I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> like do things step by step, man. But yeah, I can't carry on, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, people are at step zero and they'll be asking me questions about like step 20, step 50. I think the best one was this guy who was, um, uh, he's a dope dude. He's actually like got a product. He's working on selling it and putting it up and everything like that. He kind of like got hit with a couple of setbacks, uh, but he's getting his product back up there. He's already made some money and he's in the UK and he was like, which market should I scale to first? Like, what, what would you do? And I was like, I'd go to U- like US, then China. I'm, I'm telling him what I would do based on my knowledge. And he's asking me specific questions about all this stuff. And I was just like, I was like, are you making seven figures on Amazon? Uh, he's like, no, dude, I have made like maybe five figures a year. I was like, all right, don't worry about scaling to another country until you hit seven. <laughs> You're taking up all this mental space talking about like, well, I want to expand to the, I'm like, it doesn't matter mm. uh, because you haven't tapped out your market yet. You haven't even learned the basics of this. You don't even know if this is really going to be a successful product based on what you want. So yeah, I think people definitely jump ahead. They don't kind of like look at the next step. And I think they look at, they kind of look at the mountain instead of like the, the mountain peak instead of looking at the the path in front of them. Um, because it's another way to just not, it's another way to not do anything Mm -hmm. and not risk failure. So I think the biggest thing is just kind of being very pragmatic in terms of what's next and then taking that next step. And you kind of just keep doing that and without realizing it, you're, you're at the top of the mountain. Sick, man. Well, I mean, one thing I have heard about Amazon FBA, like, I don't know, again, I'm, I'm far from an expert. Maybe you can verify this, but I've heard some people make complaints about, um, sort of having a product on there and then maybe the algorithms changing or the way that things are listed changing and stuff like that. And people's, people's business is kind of getting crushed overnight um, because of some changes that Amazon have put in, in the system. I don't know. Again, uh, you're, you're the expert here, but um, is that something that people need to be, need to be concerned or wary about? I think to an extent, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to make it out to be. Mm. Um, one thing that happens that I know that screws a lot of people is they won't study Amazon's terms of service. They won't really understand what's allowed, what's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And then they'll do something that's not allowed. And when they get rolled up on it, um, then they get upset and they blame Amazon and then they'll hate, they'll hate on the rules. They hit on like the fact that they have to go through the suspension or whatever it is. And it's like, it's not necessarily, um, that's not like, that's not necessarily the problem. You kind of messed up by not you know, getting, getting yourself into something you weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. And I have, I've only seen that actually happen to one person where they got totally wiped out. So during your five-year period, did you have any, I mean, what was the hardest part of it? 
surely you must have had some serious obstacles and hurdles at some points. What was the most difficult thing and how did you overcome it? I think the most difficult, the most difficult on my end personally was trying again when my products kept failing. So the first two or three that I tried failed. Um, the first two failed, the third one worked, and then the fourth one failed. But the first two failures, I didn't have a lot of money. I was borrowing money from like friends and family. And that was very difficult to kind of like do all this research and order samples and test them out and then try them on Amazon and put in all this work and then watch it just kind of like not go anywhere. So that was, that was difficult. And there was a couple of times that I wanted to quit really bad. I wanted to quit multiple times. Yeah. But I kind of came back to it by thinking about like, what do I, it, it was, it's one of those things like if you're tired, you take a break, you don't quit, you know, and understanding that I was learning with everything that I was doing and then kind of coming back to it. Uh, but as far as that, that, that's, that's as far as like my own experience with it. And when it comes to the most difficult thing I dealt with overall, it was working for working for some like, ter- I, I don't want to, I know you don't want me to cuss. So Bad, working bad, for some bad people yeah yeah very very bad people you know people who think that they need to be uh very sinister and mean-spirited to get the best work out of their employees and that's oh. that's i don't think that's the case at all um so i've worked with some very very difficult people um which is very tough yeah as i take it that's one of the things that's driven you to become more of a sovereign individual and someone who's more you use the term anti-fragile so you know someone who's uh more resilient to those kind of setbacks and having someone essentially having someone who can control or pull the plug on you, which is never, I don't know. A lot of people I think are in that situation, but um, it's one of those things I've always been very wary of for like from, from pretty young, to be honest, I've never liked the idea of somebody just being able to be like, Oh, you know what? We're just going to like cut off your, income source or, oh, you, you know, you, 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 you did something we don't like. So that's it. You know, you're just completely at somebody else's mercy. So in everything I do, I've always tried to kind of avoid that, you know, not have a single person ever that I just have to answer to. I just don't like that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's strange. I feel like most people say they don't like it, but like, it's, it's a different challenge to be on your own Mm because then it's just you. But yeah, it's, it's something that I realized a couple, I realized like, I think one or two years ago, it wasn't necessarily that I had, it, it wasn't like this anger or animosity I had toward an authority figure, mm. but in my head, it was just kind of, it's wild around the time, like my late teens, if I didn't want to do something, I like, I never did anything I didn't want to do. Yeah. Uh, I would find a way out of it, even if it was like kind of like sneaky and weaselish or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now it's to the point where, and it's kind of problematic working jobs. Like I should have, I should have gotten fired at ring (laughs) before I quit, like for a couple, because it was just like, I got to a point where like I automated most of what I was doing. So I didn't need to be there as much, but I was still salaried. And it was just funny because it was like, if I was told to do something I didn't want to do, I would just, find like I would find somebody else to do it or I would, I would convince somebody like I would convince I convinced my boss multiple times he didn't need to do something because just because I, I, <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> so I was like I was like I'm not gonna I don't want to do this and I know you're gonna put it on me so it's like I don't and like that's my thing like uh and I realized that's not conducive to having a job because if somebody wants me to do something I don't want to do I'm probably just gonna get fired because I'm just not I'm not gonna do it and that sounds like a brat, like I sound like a bratty little kid or whatever it is. 
that might be what it is, but it's just like, I think your soul dies a little bit every time you do something you don't mm. want to do. I think it's very much just a personality trait, especially people who are entrepreneurial minded tend to have, I don't want to say problems with authority. You know, it might, it might be that, but just, I don't know that there's something maybe within like, I don't know what percentage of the population is entrepreneurial, maybe like 10% or so, but most entrepreneurs, you kind of notice that common thread of like, just, yeah, wanting to be your own boss is one thing, but more just like, I'd rather do double the hours for myself for half the pay than like, yeah. <laughs> like do you know what I mean? Then, then, then be paid more by somebody else, but I've then got to, you know, I've got to ask for permission to go on vacation or I've got to ask for permission to, I've got to ask for permission. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm a grown man. Like, I don't like the <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? Like I, if I want to take, if I want to take, if I want to take the day off tomorrow, why should I need permission for that? Like it, this again, you, you kind of said it sounds kind of bratty, but it's just like, it just, it just <laughs> is, you know what I mean? It's like, no, like if I want to, if I want to work the next 20 days straight, I'll work the next 20 days straight. If it's like, okay, well, I wanna, I'm going to just like take a Friday off, you know, like, and just hang out outside or whatever. I, I rarely ever do this, but you know, like if, if you wanted to, it's like, cool, you can. If one morning you're just feeling tired and you're like, okay, I don't, all right, I'll just shift everything back a couple hours. You know, it's like, it's hard to put a value on that, but it's very valuable to me. Right, definitely. I, I think, uh, I'm sure, do you know Naval? I don't know if you follow Naval on Twitter. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So the, he had a quote that, um, like, I was, I didn't really, like, after I, I, I was at Cabo for a bit last year, and then I, I was, like, November was around the time that Cabo, and I parted ways, and I was just, I was living at my parents' place. And I was like, so technically I was unemployed for two months when I was setting all this stuff up that I'm doing now. Mm. And, and then a company reached out in January and they, like, they offered me a really, really good job. But they were like, your hours are seven to three. You have to be here every day. You can only get this much time off. And I was like, the more they kept talking about, like the salary was stupid good. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I was about to say yes. And then they started telling me about the culture and like every. Every word was like, I don't want to do like, it was like making me less and less want to, you know, and Naval had this tweet that just basically summed it up perfectly. He was like, anyone that gets a taste of freedom becomes dangerously unemployable. (laughs) And that's so true where I'm just like, I'm like, you can't take like, I'm like, you can't take my freedom away at this point. You know, like I get to do whatever I want, whatever, like I'll still work. I will gladly work and I will hustle, but you know, I'm not going to do it for you. And just the other thing for me too was like, my starting salary at Ring was $55,000 and I just graduated college and it was like, it was, that's a pretty good starting salary. Yeah. yeah. I generated millions, multiple millions and millions. Of millions. Yeah, yeah. And I saw none of it. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, man. I mean, I used to be, um, I used to be a management consultant for a big company and I remember one day, I, w- I don't think I was supposed to see this. I saw a, like a document of what, um, of how much the clients that you work for, pay for you right like that yeah. that like the hour, hourly rate that they're paying for you and i saw it and i was like i was on a d i was my salary was okay but i was like wait hang on like they're charging like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like I was like the percentage of this that i'm getting i was like, yeah. like I'm, i was like i'm, I'm expensive like Firstly, yeah. I was like, firstly, I was there like debating, am I, am I, am I even worth like, <laughs> am I worth this much? But I was like, yeah. well, I, I guess that I, I guess I must be. Otherwise, like, you know, the, the whole thing wouldn't work out. But yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that and then being like, hmm, this is, 
this is interesting. I mean, that that's what business is, of course. You know what I mean? Like you've got to you've got to make yeah, a profit yeah. off of everything. So you, you're not going to pay an employee more than they are making for a company. But um, right. yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it's very much a mindset shift. So yeah, I think that uh, what what was it you said? Did you say radically unemployable? Is that the uh, dangerously, dangerously, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. uh, yeah, I can relate to that. I've been doing my music full time for like seven and a half years now, and wow. yeah. So it's not like everything is. It's not like everything is yet where I want it to be. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. It's making some big strides this year. Occasionally, occasionally, I get that that thing where I'm like, oh, it would be nice to have like a, a stable. You know, like a, st- a stable salary or something, but but then like I think of everything else, and I'm just like, nah, I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, I it just yeah. How did someone phrase it the other day on Twitter? Like, oh, they were like, yeah, dude, you've like you you've burned the boats already. Like, you can't, you know, you <laughs> you you can't go back. Like, you've sa- you've sailed to this island and you've burned the boat. So yeah, like, do you and you'll find a way, kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of that is kind of how it feels. It's almost a matter of pride like just you know like you said they're giving you these terms and they're saying you must do this you need to be this yeah. you know, and, it, and it all just like uh, like that that month that salary very quickly like you're just like because <laughs> <laughs> that's pro- like they're probably not telling you everything either right you'll probably get there and there'll be like another list of oh uh, yeah 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 you know what i mean they'll say oh seven till three but then you'll be oh but no we need you we need you this weekend well we need no we need you now from like six till <laughs> six till five and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is starting to change, you know. I don't, I don't do anything crazy. I don't do anything crazy on Twitter, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine censoring myself because you know I'm not, I'm not at Zuby levels right now. But <laughs> I'm, <almost> at, <laughs> I'm not featured on Joe Rogan yet. But, not, <laughs> but like, uh, one of my clients is a company, and one of the guys who works there came up to me today, and he was like, "Yo, I messed." He's like, "Yo, I, you know, I." I'm down. I'm even more down with you because I just found you on Twitter and I love what you're saying. And I was like, that's wild. I was like, okay, I'm getting to a point. This is a random dude. Like we don't talk at all. So I'm like, I'm getting to a point now where like certain people are finding certain, like more and more people are seeing what I'm saying. Mm. And I can't imagine a company, like I can't imagine applying for a job right now and a company looking at my Twitter and like, yeah, we want to hire this guy. (laughs) Like outside of the Amazon stuff, I say some like I don't say dumb stuff, but I clown on no. people and I troll people and they act like idiots. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, as as you as you rightly should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I can't like nope. Like as funny as like you're not gonna get a job after your deadlifting video, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Why not though? Like what, the, what what was there was nothing there was nothing wrong with no, it. No, it, was, it was not offensive. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Like it would, you know, it'd be, it would be. I'm sure it would be funny. Most people would laugh at it, but it just takes that one person to be like, "That's that Zuby guy. Why is he working here?" I'm offended. <laughs> oh, I'm, offended. <laughs> I'm offended. I'm triggered by his mere presence. He once said something I disagree with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no civil discourse anymore. I just have to. It's either like I don't care, or no, it's either like I don't know about it, or I'm offended. It's not like let's let's have a conversation. <laughs> Just, yeah well <laughs> it's coming back man it's coming back so many people feel like that that i think the pendulum will swing backwards because it's 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 so common i mean i get i get a lot of dms and emails from people who are like i agree with everything you say but i can't say it they're like yeah yeah like keep keep, keep doing it like, keep, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they're like or like there's stuff like 
or like someone to like want to retweet me, but like they're yeah. like scared to retweet me because <laughs> they've kind of cultivated like a certain, they've cultivated like a certain thing. And they're like, oh gosh, if they bring that onto their timeline, then like they know who follows them and who follows, right. you know? So it's so funny. There's like kind of all this self-censorship going on. And with me, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I think this. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think this. And it's just like, you know, it's... uh. It's it's an interesting experiment though. Like it, it's really interesting. Like the whole um I was kind of talking about it with my parents over the weekend, funnily enough, like this whole self-censorship thing, especially here in the UK, because you know, we don't have freedom of speech like enshrined in the law like you guys do over there. So, you know, we, there have been incidents where someone's tweeted something and then, you know, they get a ring from the police. Like, you know, oh. all right, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you're aware of this. Like, you know, because they've um People are posting things on YouTube or on Facebook and on Twitter, and they're getting police knocking on their door, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, that was that was potentially offensive." I mean, can you can you imagine the police coming to your door to to say you you made an offensive tweet? You're like, really? Like, shouldn't you, shouldn't you guys be like solving crime? I mean, yeah. So some kid got stabbed down the street, man. Go like, what are you at my door? Go handle that. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's like even with um. Because they've got this thing where uh, it's not in every county in the UK, but it's like some of the police forces, they've basically been told to investigate, get this. It's a non-criminal offensive incidents, right? So something that, that has, is, is not a crime, but has the potential yeah. to be offensive. So it's, it's literally like the, like the thought police. So you're like, wait, but <laughs> no, no crime was committed. They're just like, yeah, we know, but still like. You, you shouldn't yeah. have said that. And it's kind of like, well, like, <laughs> you're the police. The job is enforce the law. Like, if, if I haven't committed any crime, then, like, yeah. leave that person alone. There was a, yeah. yeah, there was a case where it was like, um, <laughs> this one kind of went viral because it was like a, it was like a 70 or 80-year-old woman who got, like, uh, police attention for something that she wrote on Twitter. And it, like, became quite a big story, right? Because she's literally, like... Yeah this old lady, like this old lady sitting in her house who just like uses Twitter because she's like lonely and, you know, wants to, wants to put stuff out there and like the police come and are investigating her. And you're just like, this is, this is silly, man. So, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I think by, uh, I think by having these types of conversations, I think that I view it like a, like a pressure valve, you know, I think like there's this, there's this pressure, there's this pressure. That's what I really think happened with that deadlift tweet. Right. I think it just kind of blew open right it's, it's, like, it's like so many people on mass have been like quietly thinking you know kind of kind of like thinking this thing and then it just kind of like blew that open and everyone was just like like i got so many messages from people who were just like yes finally like finally somebody somebody just like said like this yeah. this is silly i love that about twitter and it's like everything you're saying is like right on point dude because I, I it's very refreshing that's what i've noticed like mm. Because I think most people, like, it's, and, like, uh, growing up here, I was kind of more so always leaning to the left a little bit. Because mm-hmm. uh, it felt like the right hated Muslims and hated Islam and everything like that. But then I kind of realized over the last couple of years, I was like, no, nah, they're totally full of it. Like, they're, like they're, they're propagating and pushing all this stuff that's, like, really making things worse. Mm-hmm. And I think the funniest thing was that, one, it's very refreshing to kind of just speak your mind. Uh, and the craziest thing is one person does it, like you said, and then a bunch of people jump on and be like, yo, I've been thinking that yeah. and that's how I feel, but I can't, I feel like I can't say anything cause I'll get attacked. And, uh, I think the craziest thing was like, I figured that all my friends were very liberal, mm. you know, like 
you know, whatever. And it was a couple months ago, we were all just hanging out one night at someone's house. And <laughs> one of my buddies was like, he was like, he was a little drunk. And this is like right around the time where like everything transgender was really in the news really big. And he said something about that. And he, I think he said he didn't understand it. But he was like trying to ask questions. And then like everybody started talking about it. And at the end of the conversation, we all just kind of looked at each other. It's like, wow, man, I thought everybody was super liberal, but we're kind of conservative. I was like, this is not what I expected out of this group. Like, we're, like there's 30 of us. And, like we throw, like we go, we throw a festival, like a music festival in the desert and we get messed up and like people come out, we're playing music and like psychedelics and everything like that. Like we're like, we're the most hippie. Like you think we're so hippie. And it's like, you actually sit and it's like, what do you think about this? It's like, I'm not really down with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's, there are certain ideas which, you know, I don't really like doing the whole left, right thing. Cause it's it's right. overly simplistic, but there are a lot of bizarre ideas and concepts that are coming out of the left side of the political spectrum over the last couple of years, which yeah. I'm really just like not down with. You know, you like some of these ideas. I'm just like, no, like this is just a, it's just a bad, it's just a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like where where are your facts or your data to kind of back what you're saying? And it's just like, oh well, I feel this. I feel like I don't care what you feel. Like what <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, how does what's the what's the biology saying? What's the data saying? What's the science saying? You know, I mean, I remember when people often criticize like um, people used to always criticize like conservatives and religious people in general as being like anti-science. And being like yeah. anti, you know, being like anti, and now it's like it's like it's all turning around. It's like, and then um also even with the whole free speech stuff, I remember like in the '90s when it was yeah. the um it was the conservatives who were really like the the moral busybodies who were trying to like police people's speech and and you know police people's actions and words and it, it used to be they, they used to be more yeah more more like the modern day SJW types, right? They were the ones who were, <laughs> you know, protesting against video games and protesting against right. Eminem and protesting against heavy metal, right? It was it was like that was all like the the conservative side of the thing and it's funny how it's it's kind of like spun around. So now conservatives are like defending free speech and you know like yeah and <laughs> and, and, and are and are much more like laissez faire like you know, well if you know let people do what they let people do what they want to do and it's like all these other ideas where people trying to like control everyone else like that's primarily now coming from the left so it's like it's very illiberal which which is right kind right. of ironic so it's like it's called liberal but i'm like well i'm not the one yeah, trying right. to i'm not the one trying to police <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to police people here i'm just kind of saying like well let, let people let people do their thing right so it's uh um, yeah. who knows it's weird times yeah very strange very strange times yeah i'm excited to see where we end up yeah well you guys have an election next year so I I was so anti-Trump when he was running. <laughs> well, you're in I LA. Like, you're, you're, you're in you're in LA. You have to say that for your own safety. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true. Dude. I mean, any, anywhere in California, like LA is like the Bay Area is the worst. Where I grew up, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, like oh, it's it's like like you take it's like hyper liberals over there. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, I was so anti-Trump, and I was because of all this stuff. Like I believed it, and then. A couple like two months ago, I'm talking to one of my buddies. He's he's Syrian, like born and raised here, but he's Syrian, and um, he has like a small American flag on his car. And he was like, "Dude, people give me a hard time 
like two people in the last week have given me a hard time for having the flag on my car. And it's like, I live here. Like I'm not like, <laughs> like, like, me repping the car. like I live here. I grew up here. Everything happened for me here. Yeah. And then we started talking about Trump and I was like, you know what? Like all the stuff we were, we were all the fear mongering mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen. If Trump got elected, none of it happened. No. Like I know that everything's not great. I know that like, like one of my, um, one of my buddies was supposed to go to a wedding and the wedding ended up getting canceled because the guy, like the guy and the girl, they're from Iran mm. and their parents can't come because of the Muslim ban, which is oh, like, yeah. I like, yeah. So like they're, the wedding's on hold, like it's just on hold indefinitely until their parents can come out because they want their parents there, which is like, obviously you would want your parents yeah, yeah. at your wedding. So like that, you know, that doesn't personally affect me, but that is something that, you know, I could got to be aware of. But I, I thought, I thought that, tra- I thought that travel thing had been, um, I didn't even know that that was still in, that was that was still in place. I thought it was I thought it was rolled back quite quickly. I thought it was too, and I think, um, but I guess it hasn't been. I don't know. Like I took yeah. his word for it, but yeah, maybe yeah. there's maybe there's more to it. But yeah. um, you know, if it is still in place, it's one of those things where it's like that's a that's a that's a real situation where it's like these people are that's open discrimination against them. Yeah, if that's um, if that's the case, I mean, that's one thing that that that's not. I'm not, I don't I don't live in the U.S. Like in general, in terms of the presidency, like from my angle, it looks like he's generally. I think he's general. I think he's certainly going to win a second term, and I think he should. Oh, one hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought with that, um, with the, the whole travel ban, I don't know all the details of it, but, but I, it was like I think I know what they were like trying to do, but the, it was far too heavy-handed. It's one of those things where you don't want to. You've got to be right. very like you've got to be very specific with these things so that you don't end up having people's parents trying to go visit a wedding as like collateral <laughs> collateral damage you know what i mean it's like you've got to be right. very targeted and specific you can't just be like okay like this whole bunch like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but uh no it's it's wild man like i learned some stuff i took a political science course in in college this also kind of moved me away i wasn't i was never political mm. um to that extent but i would kind of get triggered and talk about stuff but there was just so many little things that kind of moved me away from it. And I think one big thing was, I don't, I don't think it's like this in the UK. I don't think it's like this anywhere, but I learned about something called political theater in, uh, in college. Mm. And our professor was telling us that <laughs> there was a Senator, I think who was uh, presenting something to Congress and he was being filmed and he was presenting it. So you just see him talking the whole time it's being televised on c-span and everything else and our professor was like yeah he talked for three or four hours and what you guys don't know you think he's presenting a bill to congress mm. but in reality nobody was in the room the room was empty oh, wow. he was just doing it and like that was like what he like why what's the point of him doing that he was like to use in his campaign like he's not it's not real but you guys don't know that so he's yeah. just doing it he just faked it for three hours to make his followers think he's doing something. Mm. And then he showed us all these examples of just like political theater. And he was like, he's like, most of what you guys see on TV and all, he's like, that's not politics. That's just meant to keep you guys like, and so like American politics are messed up in that sense. Where it's yeah. like, very, like everything's happening behind the scenes. The stuff that we see, it's like, that's like none of that, like 1% of that's real. Yeah. Um, which I is com- nuts. I compare it to uh, WWE, like wrestling. <laughs> that, 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 that's how i look at american <laughs> politics because it's just like it, it's so <laughs> like i guess sometimes people are like dude how come you comment on american politics but never on british and i'm just like british politics is boring man like it's, it's, it's <laughs> you don't have the characters like in, in the u.s it's just like look whether you whether you like like or dislike these people 
they're just like characters you know what i mean like trump is, <laughs> trump is there like memeing and like you know like <laughs> dissing people on twitter like he, he like you're like dude this is like after he got um after the whole like no collusion thing came out and he posted that game of thrones meme i was just like yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like dude like this is amazing <laughs> I was just like, this, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people are like, this is so unprofessional. It's it's unprecedented. And I'm like, I'm like, that's why it's amazing. Like, yeah. Maybe like I'm like maybe because it's not my country, I can I can laugh at it more. But I'm just like, dude, that's that's just funny because there's no politician yeah. here in the UK that like posts memes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be laughed out of office. It was yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Arizona's great. You can do anything in Arizona. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was I was in Arizona. Like, my uncle lives there. And, like, California is very hard to get a gun. Yeah. In Arizona, you just... Uh, we're just hanging out at my uncle's house one time. And he just walks up with, like, a rifle. And <laughs> walks up. And just, he's like, you guys want to go shoot these? And we're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're driving. Um, and he was like... He's telling us, he's like, yeah, there's this big plateau, like, this mountain up here. Once a year, people come out. They have a bunch of guns, grenade launchers. He's like, one guy brought a tank one time, <laughs> and then he was like, "All right, let's." Then he pulls off to. I was like, "Where are we gonna shoot these?" And he literally just pulls off to the side of the road, and we walk like twenty feet out into this canyon. We're just like <laughs> shooting guns off into this canyon right in front of us. I was like, well, "This is like it's like the wild west out here, dude." Like they just and they don't care. It's totally legal. You can yeah. do that. <laughs> And they, and they don't have a lot of gun crime either, though. That's the funny thing, right? No, because everybody's always, got guns. Yeah, pe- people always think like, because obviously in the UK, that you know, there's no, uh, there's no Second Amendment here. So people in the UK and Europe in general are always weirded out by the gun thing in America. And mm-hmm. I actually know quite a, I've, I've actually like looked at it quite a lot um, to try to, you know, to to understand it and listen to the the different sides. And I'm always trying to explain to people. Actually, it's the, it's the places with the stricter gun laws that tend to have more gun crimes and, and homicides and stuff it's not the places where you can like be in starbucks just like strapped you know what i mean like you're just <laughs> you're just a taco bell with your ar-15 on your back like just <laughs> you know like it, it looks so bizarre like you see pictures and stuff and you just see like these yeah, guys yeah. going around with these like huge, not even like a handgun you know like a flipping like no, ar yeah. on your back and you're just like well i guess i mean is if if you're not shooting anybody then whatever man like i don't in theory if yeah, someone, yeah, no, if you're, I don't know why you need a tank, but you know, if you if you if you're not gonna, <laughs> if you're not going to use it, then I guess you could have a tank, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, if you're like and that's that, that's the thing that's like nutty about it is um uh like most it's like California, most gun crimes committed in California are like it happens from guns bought in Arizona and Nevada. It happens from guns bought in other states, so people okay. just drive over. Because they don't check like state borders, you don't they don't check to make sure you're whatever, you know, because it's it's yeah. But no, that's yeah, it's exactly that. Like you're not gonna go to Texas and try to shoot something up. Cause as soon as you walk into Texas, there's like <laughs> eight people sitting there, like like you see the holster, you see the gun, you're just like, all right, dude, I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do they say there? Uh, uh an armed society is a polite society. <laughs> yeah, it, it like, does it does make sense. It's it's interesting. It's like I guess it's one of those things where I guess yeah, you you kind of either go all the way that way or all the other, all the way the other way. You know what I mean? So like in the UK, it's like you've just gone all the way the other way. It's like okay, look, nobody, not even the police, like nobody, nobody has guns, right? Or yeah. you go that way, and it's just like, well, 
okay, I guess if if everyone's got one or everybody can have one, then you'd be pretty stupid to try to, you know, <laughs> go in one of those places and start trying to try to commit something. So trying to shoot something up, yeah. Yeah. I think that like a practical conversation needs to happen. Uh, and I hope it does. But some people say some like the dumbest, like my old roommate, like when the Vegas shooting happened, this guy was like 20, 30 stories up and shooting down at people with an automatic rifle. Yeah. And one of my friends was like, he was like, if everybody at the concert had a gun, they could have shot him. I'm like, no, dude, that's a hotel. They're going to kill like that yeah. many more people. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, like, yeah. All those, like, you know what I mean? Like, but like, there's, there's some, some people just don't really think about it practically. Yeah. And, you know, but it's like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird time, you know, but it's definitely something. I used to be totally anti-gun. I'm so not, I'm like, I'm not personally a fan of guns. I don't think I'll ever own one. But if it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like more people being able to have them means that, you know, you see, you see like violence going down, then mm. I'd be open to it. I just. Yeah. It's a weird one because it's also based on the area, you know, in, in rural areas, you know, if you, if you live in like some ranch in Arizona or Texas where going to take the police like an hour to get to your house right and you're living off isolated right it makes a lot of sense to have a gun okay but if you're like in a city if you're in new york if you're in LA, like it's more understandable like okay like why you might not want everyone walking around strapped so i don't know yeah yeah. so it's it's a it's a complicated one I i can understand both sides like i can see why to the average british person for example they just think the whole thing is crazy but having spoken to a lot of very pro-gun people and, you know, seeing the arguments and seeing the logic and everything. I'm like, okay, it's, it's different. Like, it's very different. It's a different like yeah. mentality or even, you know, the whole thing of like teachers being allowed to carry arms. like people in the UK find that so insane, but I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm like, forget the emotion for a second. It does make sense. Right. For, you know, if you, for, if you put the emotion to the side, it doesn't mean like the teachers are like running around, like strapped in this, but if you did have an incident, where someone is walking around a school and you they're just picking off people like sitting ducks, then yeah. if there was a teacher or a guard or or somebody in there who's potentially armed, then it's like, well, you could probably stop them before they cause, you know, they can't just like walk around, stroll stroll around the place at their own leisure, you know, picking right. people off. It's like, okay, no, suddenly, you know, they're gonna get put down pretty quickly. So it's like I I get that. I get that it's not yeah. it's not an ideal the, the ideal is you you stop that thing happening before before it yeah, reaches yeah, that level yeah but it's yeah. Uh, I don't know man I'm not an expert on all this stuff man let people know where they can find you online how can people follow you sure so I'm on Twitter at at Amazon FBA guy give me a follow on there that's where I'm mostly active my Instagram is uh, awftyy I'm not as active on there but the amzmasterclass.com you can learn everything at the course available right now for uh 4.97 but yeah other than that i'm a uh, super active on twitter so check me out there awesome man asad shah thank you for coming on to the show this is real talk with zuby Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.